as our pastor is away. For all of you who are beginning a uh, long weekend or a long week, some of you have a couple days off this week, we pray that you would be safe as you travel, as you uh, enjoy whatever activities you have this week. We also join, uh, ask uh, those who are joining us online, we appreciate you coming and being with us this morning. In 2003, one of the greatest animated movies of all time hit the theaters. You may remember the movie, it was Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo captured audiences nationwide as an overprotective clownfish named Marlin was a father and he, along with his forgetful sidekick Dory, went on an ocean-going adventure to find his abducted son named Nebo, Nemo. Finding Nemo resonated, if you remember the story, resonated with hearts all around. In fact, we realized that we can relate to this story of a father looking for his son because we can relate to what it's like to be separated for some, from something or someone we love. But I ask you the question, if you remember the story of Nemo, if you remember the movie, why was Nemo lost? Why was Nemo abducted? So the question is, if you go back and you remember the story, Nemo was born with an abnormal or underdeveloped fin on one side. He was a clownfish as well, and his father, who was overprotective, Marlin was his name, told Nemo, hey, listen, be careful of the open ocean. There is danger out in the open ocean. In fact, be careful that you don't go toward that boat over there that's anchored. Well... Nemo, in exercising his free right to do whatever he thought he wanted to do, he swam into the open waters toward that boat. You see, the sea was dangerous, and Marlin knew that, and this act of disobedience, this act of rebellion on Nemo's part landed him in a diver's net bound for a dentist's office in Sydney, Australia, 42 Wallaby Lane, if you remember, and he was confined to a fish tank with other captured sea creatures in that dentist's office. You see, this morning as we look and begin a series on Jonah, what we're going to be looking at is we're going to be looking at the story of a father's love, a man's disobedience, a big old fish, and an unbelievable adventure of a lifetime. So as you come, we encourage you week in and week out, would you read, just go ahead and read ahead. Some of you know this story, but read ahead. This is a story that resonates with all of us. In fact, the main character in many cases, though, is confused. The main character is misrepresented and often misapplied. In fact, the main character is not a rebellious prophet. The main character is not an absurdly large fish. The main character is a seeking, serving, redeeming God that is mentioned 38 times in the 48 verses of the book. You see, this is a God that loves, calls, directs, forgives, seeks, restores, and saves us. That is the main character of this book. You see, this God, he saves us from the world in which we find ourselves captive. But many cases, he finds us from our, he saves us from ourselves. So I'm here this morning to look as we begin Jonah. I, I believe this morning that I am Jonah. As I look through the pages and I've studied, I am Jonah this morning. And perhaps you too will be able to see yourselves in the lives of the story. And I'm here to remind us all that when God calls, it is always for our good. 
God's call is always for our good. We all have a call here this morning. You have shown up this morning. You, you set your clocks perhaps 15 minutes later. Thank you for being here. But I want you this morning to open your Bibles with me. Open your Bibles to Jonah. We're gonna start in Jonah chapter one. It's toward the end of the Old Testament. In fact, if you go to Matthew, the start of the New Testament, and just take a left, you'll go eight ch chapters or eight verses or eight books instead. You'll go eight books back, and it's tucked in between Obadiah and Micah in your Bible. It's no more than three pages of text in your Bible. In fact, I said it a minute ago, it's 48 verses. You will see that this is a familiar story to adults and to children, yet to many it is little more than a big fish tail. This morning, we will see that Jonah struggles. It's a picture of Jonah's struggles to, to know God, to understand what God's will is, and to trust him in that will. And I believe this morning, this struggle is our struggle. Jonah chapter one, Isaiah 40, verse three says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's read together Jonah chapter one, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus. So he prayed to pay the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarsus away from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this morning, would you allow us to simply look and walk through the pages of Scripture? Would you allow us to see your hand at work in Jonah's life and in the people of Tarsus' life? And, and you have called us to Nineveh even this morning. And I pray that, God, you would teach us that this book is a book about us. Lord Jesus, you teach and allow me to get out of the way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to be quick. We have three, three simple points. The first one is this. Jonah was called. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1, Jonah was called. We see that Jonah was called to action. Jonah was called to something. He was called to action. We know from the Bible, if we flip the pages back to even 2 Kings, that Jonah was already a believer. He already had a relationship with God. He was a believer. He was a preacher. and He was already a prophet. He was already sharing the good news of the goodness of who God is, this creator God. He was a believer. He was a preacher. He was a prophet. The book of 2 Kings tells us that he had already been in prophetic mode. He, was confront, he had already confronted a wicked Israelite king. You see, Jonah himself was an Israel, or he was an Israelite. He was a Jew, and he had already been placed into service by God to confront the evil, wicked ways of his, his, his king who was over all of Israel. We see that there was some evidence of ministry success in Jonah's life. We see that there was some evidence of a significant walk with, with God. We see that he was developed over time. We, and you look at this and you say, God has already worked in his heart and his life. There was marked maturity. He had experienced God's power to save and comfort and heal and judge and protect him. Even when he went to the king and said, your ways are wicked, turn from them. So Jonah was not a new convert this morning. He's like many of us in this room. He, he knows what is right and wrong. He was not ignorant to the, the Lord's desires. He was not mistaken as to his role. There was a call here, and he was not mistaken as to the role that he was to fulfill. In fact, he was not incapable of doing what the Lord had asked. 
But just like many of us in this room, he heard the call of God. He recognized it for what it was. He knew where it came from. He understood the ramifications of the call. And then let's look. Look at it again. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. And call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now, when you look at this, the call was clear. It was this, arise, arise out of your place of comfort. Arise out of that easy chair in your living room. I've got a job for you. He says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Jonah, you see, was an Israelite. He was a Jew. He was now being called to go to Nineveh, which was a hostile enemy place. You see, Jonah was in a good place. He was doing good things. He was doing good work, and he was enjoying a good life. Everybody was leaving him alone. Then God said, I want you to rise. I want you to leave the comfort of your home and go to this hostile place. I want you to preach the good news of the gospel. I want you to preach the good news to a people. And God says, I love those people enough to send you, one of my faithful, I want you to go over there to those people because they are in, in trouble they are going to be judged soon, and if we don't send somebody there, you are my chosen instrument. I want you to rise and go to a place called Nineveh. It is a great city, a big city, and I want you to rise and go and then do one thing. I want you to call out against it. Why? I want you to call out against it, for their evil has come up before me, the Bible says. This word evil means disaster. They're, they're sweeping consequences to their actions. This disaster is all around them, and I want someone to go there and tell the good news of a saving God. Now, if you think of Jonah, you say, hey, listen, that's a big deal. He's, he's, after all, in a good place, doing good work. He is enjoying the good life, but this is not the first time that Jonah has been called. In fact, he had done it before. In fact, he had confronted an enemy. It just happened to be the enemy in his neighborhood. It was the Israelite king that he had confronted before. Now he's being called to go to another nation, a hostile nation, away from his hometown and no longer being in the comfort confines of his front yard. So think about this. Here's the picture this morning. He is no longer called to stand in the front yard with his mom and his dad and his brothers and sisters and cousins behind him and speak prophecy and speak, and speak the truth to the neighbor in their front yard to front yard, knowing he's got all these people behind him cheering him on and supporting him and comforting him. No, the call is clear. He is to step out of his front yard and he is to walk into the bully's backyard all by himself. So this morning, the call was clear. Jonah was called to get out of his comfort and go to the backyard of the bully and speak truth on God's behalf. Why? Because God loved those people. Now, when you look at this, the call was clear. We were to step out of the world and the comfort in which we live and trust that God is able. God is able to handle whatever God's call is for our lives. God is able. And you know what Jonah said? When God gave him the call to arise and go to Nineveh, Jonah said, no. Jonah's response was no. Jonah's struggle this morning is our struggle. As we look at this passage of scripture, we realize that this struggle of giving God our yes is a struggle that you and I deal with. In fact, as I said just a moment ago, I am Jonah. 
I am the one who struggles with God. Do you really mean this? I have another plan. I got a good life. I got a good place. I'm doing good things. And God, if you call me to that, that's gonna cause me pain. And, and God, I may not want to do that. And really, God, can I trust that you are enough for this moment? But you see, we, we in this room have a similar call. In fact, if you go to Matthew 28, 19, it is the great commandment and it is this, go therefore, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You see, in this room, we have a call that we are to make disciples of who? The Bible says all nations. We get the word ethos from that word. It's ethnic or ethnic centric. It's the idea that we have to get out of our comfort zones and our likenesses and we are to reach across the aisle to someone who is not like us, others. You see, we're called to walk out of our front yards and into the neighbor's backyards. But you know what? If you're like me, the backyards of my neighbors are scary. They're, they're scary. In fact, side note here, side note. The only time I have ever been bitten by a dog is when I entered into the backyard of my neighbors. And I would like to say it was a pit bull. I would like to say it was a Rottweiler. But it was a poodle. I got bit in the nether regions by a poodle. Now, it was a very large, huge, grizzly bear-like poodle. That's the way I remember it in my mind. But when you step into someone's backyard, what is the backyard? Typically, you have a fence. That's their private area. In the front yard, everybody, you're waving, you're seeing everything. In the backyard, that's where they play. That's where things happen. That's where family gathers. And our backyards are scary because we have to trust. When we walk into a backyard, we have to trust that God has called us to something that he is willing to sustain us in the middle of. We are called to make disciples. You see, Jonah was called and so are we. Verse three says, but Jonah. But Jonah, the second point this morning is not only was there a call of God upon Jonah's life, Jonah ignored that call. You see this morning, verse three says this, but Jonah rose to flee Flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. But Jonah, when you look at this idea, but Jonah, you see a full rebellion. You see, he is rebelling. He is fleeing up against God himself. And when God calls and your response ever begins with but, we are announcing our unwillingness to trust and to serve God at least on our own terms. So when God calls you, when God has that still quiet voice, hey, share the gospel with that waitress. Share the gospel with that person that you frequent each and every time you go to the dry cleaners. Every time your neighbor comes over and they're struggling with, they're struggling with health or something, just, just open your mouth and allow me, trust me. But whenever we say, but God, I'm not good at, I'm not as good as Doc, I don't have the theology of Doc, I don't have the ability to just stand and talk to anybody like my wife, Okay, I don't have any of this and God, but you don't understand. And then look what he did. He rose to flee. He ran away from something. What did he, what did he run away from? God's will. In fact, it literally, the Bible says he ran away from the very presence of the Lord. And he ran away from something, God's call, and he ran to something. And what was it? Isolation. He ran to Tarsus. Now, when you look at this, you look at this, this was a place that, interesting enough, this was a place, Tarsus, that did not have the very presence of God. God had not yet revealed himself to these people. 
So he runs not to Nineveh where God has said, I am going and preparing this place for you, but he goes to a place that does not know God in any way, shape, or form. There was no accountability. There was no people. There was complete isolation. It was almost, as Bruce mentioned just a moment ago, it was almost this idea that he was completely alone. This morning I was driving to church and I put my phone in the glove compartment and I closed it up. And it was like I was saying goodbye to a friend, bye-bye, okay? And I heard this, the only reason I did it because the pastor's doing it. He's trying to get used to doing this as well. I like to hold my phone. I like to hold it because it's just somebody's on the other end that wants to talk to me or will look at a text or something. And I, I've grown accustomed to having my phone. It's like, a, it's like a pet with no fur. It's hypoallergenic. But what happens was when I put that phone in that glove compartment and I closed it and I thought, I'm all by myself. I'm not sure I like myself that much. And I drove away. What happens is when you flee from the very presence of God, you are in isolation. You are separated. You are alone. And if you think back, Doc's going to be teaching in just a few months. He's going to be teaching on David. If you remember David, King David, he fell to immorality. He fell in a number of different ways. And David cries out after he is coming, rushing, running back toward God. He realizes he is repentant. He is running back and he cries openly after his rebellion. He cries this in Psalm 51, 10, 11. He says, create in me a clean heart. King David says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. And then he says these words, cast me not away from your presence. Cast me not away from your very presence. The very thing we need and should want is the very presence of God in our lives. Yet Jonah flees from that presence. And isn't that exactly what Satan wants in all of our lives? Whether you're a believer or unbeliever, that we would live in isolation, that we would feel alone and lonely and deserted. That no one's on the other end of that phone. No one's on the other end of that text. It's just going into the abyss and we are by ourselves. So when I look at Jonah, I realize this is our story. This is my story. We know that God has called us into a relationship with him and to obedience, but we, in many cases, me, I have ignored the call. I've gotten busy in my incredibly comfortable padded life. I've enjoyed the, the garage door being closed and opened only when I'm going out and coming in. And I've resisted stepping out of my comfort zones to face the scary bully in the neighbor's backyard because I'm not sure I completely trust that God is able and desirous and willing. And you know what that is? As that is because of separation of knowing who God is and what God has done for my life. And I have seen a separation as I say, but God. And left unchecked. Left unchecked, our lives, our emotions, our fears, our anxieties, and our worries will spiral into this idea of disastrous consequences. And untethered to God's presence, let me just remind you this morning, untethered to God's presence, from God's presence, we lose our life-sustaining power. We have nothing to look forward to if we are not untethered from the very heart and the mind and the presence of God himself. And as much as I hate to admit it this morning, as I've studied and I've looked, I am Jonah. The question is, is perhaps, do you see yourself in this picture as well? You understand the call of God, but at times you struggle with answering that call. 
And at times you want to just hit that button that says ignore the call. Third thing this morning is this. There was a call of God upon Jonah's life. He ignored the call. And then the third thing is Jonah paid the price. Jonah paid the price in verse three, the second part of verse three. In fact, let's go ahead and get the whole uh, passage of verse three. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go, in, to go with them to Tarsus away from the very presence of the Lord. You see, what this is, is this is premeditated disobedience. This is premeditated disobedience. This wasn't a momentary slip. You see, he had to physically walk down to the seaport of Joppa and he had to find a boat. How far was that? I don't know. I don't know where exactly he was. I'm not sure, but I know he was not already there because it says he had to go down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarsus. This idea is that, hey, listen, he had to buy a ticket. He had to pay the fare, the Bible says. Simply, he was fleeing anywhere, just not there. I don't want to go to Nineveh, God. I've heard about a hostile enemy, and you know, that's a bully's backyard, and I prefer the front yard with all my cousins, aunts, and uncles behind me. First ship out, I'm on it. You see, rebellion against God comes with a price. Jonah paid the price. There's two ways you can look at this. One is the price of the here and now, and then another way is to look at the extended price. The here and now, he purchased his ticket. He paid the fare. He looked at, he watched TV that he shouldn't, and it took him away from his sleep patterns. It got him away from uh, things that were ungodly. He watched ungodly things at the movie theater, and, and his mind was hardened and seared in the moment. Perhaps the, the pursuit of a career or another promotion has left a family behind that just simply doesn't see or sense the presence of their father or mother. In the moment, there is a, a small little incremental steps, but there's also an extended cost. There's the extended cost of being untethered to God and those are fractured relationships with your wife, your children, your friends. There's this fear of the unknown as you sink deeper and deeper into the belly of isolation. And then for some of us in the room, you may say, hey, this is me. You have the deafening silence of those midnight thoughts of what might have been. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. I am Jonah this morning. As I have had to realize and look in the mirror, I am Jonah. Uh, this story is about me, and I expect some of you to say, hey, listen, I, I resonate with that as well. You remember at the beginning of the sermon, I mentioned Marlon, the overprotected father. He was a seeking father in finding Nemo, and he never gave up. He never gave in looking for his son. Despite the disobedience of Nemo, he faced his fear of the sea. You see, the reason he told his son not to go out into the open water was not because Nemo couldn't protect himself, which is probably true. But the father himself was scared of the open ocean. He faced his fear of the sea. He braved the East Australian current or the EAC, as Crush would say. He avoided killer jellyfish and stood up to Bruce the great white shark. This morning, if a clownfish will do that for a disobedient son, 
Imagine the grace of a loving, all-powerful God for the children that he created. This morning, God is calling you, he's calling me, he's calling us that we have a choice to simply obey or to ignore. We have the opportunities to recognize that there are ramifications to that decision. Whatever decision we make, whether we're gonna run full long into God's call or we're gonna say, you know, God, I, I have another idea. I like the comfort of where I'm sitting. You see, the bad news is we all, all, every one of us in this room, we all rebel. We all disobey the call of God. We have fractured relationships all around us and we flee from the very presence of God. Why? Because in Genesis chapter three, the fall of man took place and we are still reeling from it. Those are the disaster, that's the, the consequences of sin. So you and I have a daily struggle of following after the will of God. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, that's the bad news. The worst news is this. We can't do anything about it. We can't do anything about it. Why? Because the waves, the waves are rough. The hull of the ship is hard. The outlook is bleak and the future is dark. We have those pillow talks with God and we say, God, I'm not sure how I'm gonna get out of un from under this financial burden. I'm not sure what to do with this wayward child. I'm not sure to do what to do with this job I hate. I'm not sure what to do with this individual that's living, uh, sitting beside me because we are not seeing eye to eye at the moment. And the worst news is there's nothing in and of ourselves that we can do about it. We have all fractured our relationships. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death. There is a price to pay for this sin. And you may feel like right now you are living in the midst of this punishment. You are in the belly of that ship and you are running as fast and as far as you can away from the very presence of God and you just feel like you are in punishment even now. So the bad news is we're all sinners. The worst news is we can't do anything about it. The, the good news, however, is the word of the Lord, the one that was rejected by Jonah here. Remember 1-1 says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. That same very word, which was rejected by Jonah, doesn't stop at our disobedience. Praise God for that. It doesn't stop at our disobedience, our calamity, our pain, or our isolation. Whatever's going on in those quiet moments of our lives as we have uh, darkness all around us and it's just us and God, there is still a call because there is a seeking God. There is a pursuing God and this God sent his son, Jesus. Now think about this. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus was in heaven. Jesus was in heaven ruling the universe. He was adored by angels. He had heavenly choirs that were resounding in his ears. He was in a good place, so to speak. He was doing good work and he was enjoying the good life. In fact, I would even say he was in the best place doing the best work, enjoying the best life. And then God said to Jesus, arise, I want you to go into the backyard of the enemy, into a hostile place where you will be ridiculed, rejected, tormented, crucified, and killed. And I want you to give your life for your neighbor. I want you to give your life for another. And remember what Jonah said? No. But Jesus stretched his arms out and said, yes. And because of that, Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess your mouth with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved this morning. So this morning, as we just simply talk, have you ever trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you ever trusted Jesus to save you from those dark moments when you simply are fleeing from the presence of God? 
This morning, I believe the call is for you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Perhaps you're in the room and you say, hey, I'm like Jonah. I have some marked, I have some marked uh, relationship with God. And you know what? I've already seen the hand of God work and I am a believer. But I have stepped away from the presence of God. Perhaps this morning for you, believer, it's an invitation. It's a call to simply come home. And this morning, as you realize my right relationship is only because of my opportunity to see Jesus working in and through me. Are you willing to step out of your comfort zone this this morning and simply say, my reputation goes to the side, my career pursuits go to to the side, and my love of self goes to the side in order for me to run hard after the call of God in my life? You see, we exist, Jordan said it just a moment ago, we exist to point people to Jesus and inspire them to live a cross-shaped life. That's why we exist. That's why we come together as the body of believers. And this is it, because there is a price to pay for our disobedience. And we're almost done. And Jesus paid it all. Jesus lived a sinless life. He died on a cruel cross to take the sins upon himself. You see, he didn't just cover up our sins. He took them upon himself. He became our sins. He became our substitute. Why? Because he loved us with an everlasting, pursuing love. And the best news of all, the best news is this gift is absolutely free. Romans 5, 8 says, God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, still sinning, Christ died for us. Would you bow your heads all across the room? This morning, I wanna make it clear, the call to Jonah was clear. Step out of your comfort zone. See the sovereign hand of the Lord work in your life.